Uh, last week we, we finished the chapter on, on what to learn. We spoke about uh, the last few chapters already talking about learning, the structure for learning, the things you should be learning, how you should be learning, um, all meant to, of course, uh, maximize our you know, often limited time in learning and, and how to get the most out of it. Um, this chapter, again, we're, the, the theme of this whole section is what he calls our new framework for bonding with Hashem. Right? When you're in the yeshiva, you know, 24 hours a day, there's uh, obviously very, very obvious. You're, you're bonding with Hashem. You're Avedis Hashem. is through Limanat Torah. Now when you leave, um, again, there are other things. Uh, you know, learning has to change the way you approach your learning. And then in general, there's, there's other... We spoke about Chavivus HaMitzvahs. Now he's going to speak about tefillah. Obviously, uh, very, very important. Uh, now again, as far as this chapter on tefillah, I should just point out... He's not giving a full comprehensive, you know, uh, safer on tefillah. He could write, uh, you know, a hundred svarim on tefillah um, and just, you know, and touch the surface. Uh, what he's doing here is, is really providing some key ideas and strategies for, you know, for an approach to tefillah now that you're not in yeshiva, right? Because again, in yeshiva, tefillah, as important as it is, tends to kind of be... You know, just you kind of go. It's part, built into the Sidri HaYeshivas. You have davening, right? So you kind of there. It's the Yeshiva davening. Everything is kind of working within the framework of the Yeshiva. Um, right? So he says, Tila, more than any other spiritual activity we pursue, provides the most frequent opportunity for us to strengthen our connection with Hashem. Right? Again, this is something which is, this is, this is what the nature of tefillah is, the love day b'chol right? And so we have three times a day where we're obligated to do it, uh, two and a half maybe, right? Um, right? So, and so this is, this is almost like, you know, like an injection of ruchni. So, you know, we spoke about a lot of the other things and finding meaning throughout the day. You know, this is like tefillah, which is this mamish pure, pure, uh, you know, connection with Hashem. However, one may find the experience disappointing, Right? Now, obviously, this is even in yeshivas, he says. Schools and, sh- and yeshivas struggle with it, right? Sometimes, you know, you see a guy davening and you're like, this guy's mamash, his neshama's on fire, he says. But most of the time, it's davening tends to fall short of what they know is possible and what they hope for. For a working person from tefillah, you know, compromises the major source of spiritual life support, this, this disappointment can be especially keen, right? So again, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we maximize our time with tefillah? So disappointment of any kind can be caused either by a failure of some process to occur as expected, or alternatively by a misguided expectation, right? So when it comes to tefillah, he says, the reason why we're so disappointed, he says, is because we have the wrong expectation. We expect to go into davening, right? And we want it to be like mamashim kippur nila, right? Where you're in there and you're mamashim you're feeling, you know, in the himmels and you're, you know, it's, it's, it's vacuous and you're experiencing mamashim, you know, l'fnaib l'fnaib. He says, you know, so if, our, if every day Shachas and Mincha doesn't reach that level of tefillah, we think, okay, somebody's missing a tefillah. So we have this very, very high expectation of what it should be. But he says, for most of us, the regularity of tefillah, the temperament we possess, right, because we're human beings, because we daven so many times a day, you're not going to have the emotional ni'ilah every single day. Very few people, you know, can, can, will have such an experience. He says, what we want out of our tefillah is that it should be a spiritual experience. Again, not an emotional one. Right? Emotional, occasionally you'll have an emotional experience, you know, special times. But what, what the goal in tefillah is, it should become a profound spiritual experience. Okay, so how do you, how do you have tefillah be the spiritual? Again, there's a big difference, right? Spiritual is not emotional, right? Ruchnius doesn't have to necessarily mean that you're, you know, uh, you're sitting there by your kumzis, right? Even when you're by your kumzis and everything, you're not always going to have an emotional experience. A spiritual, you know, spiritual is something which is, which is ruchnius, something which is you know, it's, it's speaking to, to your neshama. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a certain feeling, a certain regish, you're not going to be sweating and getting chills. So he says the first step to get this spiritual experience with tefillah starts 
even before the actual tefillah. Right? He brings down the Gemara, it's a Medrash Rabbah. The, the Medrash says, Mao lishka al right? It says, the Pasuk says, to, to knock on my doors, to, to persevere, shkida, right? Don't stand by the outside door and daven by the door. Enter the door inside the door. Right? You should go in two doors. Right? So now, we see from this Medrash that the first step in tefillah is withdrawal from the mundane world. Right? You have to go into the base Medrash. Standing before Hashem starts by removing ourselves from man's world. This is the reason why Bezakanesis has value apart from his status as a place where a minion happens to be. Right? Even if you're not davening one minion, there's an Indian of davening in a Bezakanesis. Right? Many halachas. There's halachas to build a Bezakanesis. Even if you have a temporary place, there's a mitzvah to build a Bezakanesis in a shul. Even if there's no minion, davening in a shul. Right? And again, this halacha of going in two doors, this is actually brought down la halacha, right? That there's three different pshatim in the paiskim. You're not supposed to walk right into Shul and Davin right away. You should wait a few minutes. Don't stand by the door, unless, again, if there's a table by the door, the paiskim say, then that's fine. That's the part of the Bishnah. But don't stand, you know, you should sit in a makim kavua, right? Go in a Bishnah. The idea is it's not, you're not just in the world, you're not in your workplace, you know? There's a, there's a, you know, a lot of people have, especially nowadays, and, you know, you have Minyanu for Mincha in the office. I was in an office yesterday where the guy told me this is, they're making a shul. They're making a shul in the office. You know, it's this idea of, of your withdrawing. Tefillah is about withdrawal, right? The first step to Tefillah is leave the, the world that you're in and enter into the Dalsis of the Beisachnesis, enter into the, into the room of Tefillah. Right? Similarly, there's a great merit in having an established spot for Tefillah. Right? A Mokim Kaveh, a Mokim Right? It says that we learn that. Right? Rabbeinu Yoyinagada says, and this is, a, this is an interesting la'alacha, is that the main hakbada of, of makim kavua in tefillah is if you're davening at home. A shul, you can daven anywhere in the shul. But if you're davening not in a shul, you should have a set place that you daven. You know, this was, I was telling this to people during the, during the lockdowns when a lot of people weren't going to shul, right? Is that in your house, there should be a makim kavua l'tefillah. Right? In a deeper sense, Tefillah represents a counterpoint on page 161 to man's duty as an active agent in the world. The world is an interface of Hashem as the sole power and us as of active agents. Tefillah is a, small, is a small island of Hashem's world within our world. Right? So again, the world is a lot going on and Hashem obviously is on top of everything. Right? But ultimately, you know, there's a, there's a you know, we're, we're here. We're in the world and we're acting in the world and there are people that are acting. Hashem gives us the power and the free will to, to act in this world. Tefillah is that time and place where it's, this is Hashem's world within our world. This is not for human beings. This is not the place where we're, we're busy with, with, with human activity, where humans have an influence. This is a place of the Rabbi Nisham's place. This is a small island within the great world. It's an oasis. And therefore, you have to withdraw from the world. That's important for That's the basic halacha in all of Tefillah. Right? This means turning off our phones. Right? Not only because it's going to disturb you, but because, again, the whole idea of davening is that you're in a little area, a little oasis of the Rabbani Shalom. And having a connection to the outside world is counter to the entire thing. We're going to complain that davening doesn't lift us out of the world, but we're bringing the outside world. We want davening to be so halig, but we're bringing everything into davening. Right? So you have, you're connected to everything outside, and you expect the davening to be some sort of, you know, and the first step, and this is again, halacha upon halacha, the Yoyin and Raisa Simbrachas, is the first step in davening is withdraw from the world. Right? Chasidim harishayinu harishayin shayachas, Right, that's a Rashi. There's a Rashi that says that's what's the Vera Psuka de Zimra. Right, there's a few different in Yalam Psuka de Zimra. Rashi says you have to get out of that world. You have to always do, you know, Ashrei uh, before Mincha. You can't just be part of the world and Daven. Daven requires removing yourself from the world 
and entering into the world of tefillah, the world of the Rebbe Yishev. Okay. Once we're inside this special bubble, so now we're in the bubble, right? We're in this bubble of tefillah. So again, that's step one, right? We want to talk about davening, and you have to know the words and the meaning, and we'll talk about that soon. But if, you're, if, you're, if your whole davening is, doesn't even start, if you're, if you're in the office, if you're on the phone, if you're in that, right? That should be obvious. Once we're inside the special bubble, we need to focus on kavana. Okay, now, it's interesting. Somehow we come to think of kavana as thoughts or emotions projected into our tefillah. And this is like the popular idea of kavana, right? That you have, uh, you know, uh, those, a lot of these English, but the English underneath the words. Right? We're very busy with learning what's pshat in the tefillahs, what does it mean, the deep kavanas and the deep pshatim behind all these tefillahs. And we inject that into the thing, and that's what kavana is. Knowing what you're saying and understanding the words, right? He says, so we expect tefillah be kavana. It's like a muster shmuz of thoughts, right? There was a kabbalah safer worth of meditations all flashing through our minds as we say the words. I was saying the words, and this means this, and this means this, and this is pshat and this, and we're asking Hashem for this. It's not much like a whole, whole shtikul Torah. The truth is that kavana simply means focus. He says, we need to focus consciously on the word we are saying. He says, that's what kavana means. Kavana mechavan, you're, you're focusing. Looking inside the siddur and focusing on the words that you're saying is kavana. Every mind, everyone's mind wanders, of course. But again, gently refocus it back to the davening whenever you see it wandering. That is kavana. Look, m- many of us know the basic meaning of the words. Okay, obviously, if you don't know what the words mean at all, it's very hard to, to focus at all. But again, without deep shtikach and kavanas, focusing, that could come later. That's, that's, that could come later. You could absorb that into your tefillah. Again, if, if it's too... The problem with a lot of these things is that like, when it becomes too separate, right, it doesn't work. Your brain, right? And I was like, you, you can't daven a smooth davening while you're busy thinking of your kavanas. The goal is to learn the davening in a way that it incorporates it into the basic meaning that when you're davening, it's kind of implied. But, you know, focusing on Torah while you're davening is not the way to daven. Kavana means focusing on the tefillah, focusing on the words you're saying. Focusing on it and saying it. Don't, you know, your mind wanders. We, our minds all wander. In the middle of the thing, you'll think about a million things. Bring it back. Bring it back. And again, eventually you'll become better at it and you'll be able to focus and focus more. We have a very hard time focusing, right? One, one of the problems with, uh, with, with the phones, right, you know, is that you can go through an entire day without a minute of, of focus, right? And, and you lose your ability to focus. It's a fact, right? This is studies after study, right? Is that if every, you know, we don't have a moment where we're not, right? You're on the bathroom, you're on waiting online in a store, right? It's, I used to think it was a machai, right? I used to like, I used to, you know, I used to print, put svarim on my phone. Oh, you see, I'm waiting online and I'm learning. And that's wonderful maybe, right? But if your mind is always used to simulation, right? If your mind is always used to being bombarded with stimuli, always, you know, then you're, you can't focus anymore, right? Sometimes to train yourself to focus, you have to learn to be bored, right? It's a good, uh, it's a good practice of, uh, you know, we did it by night sale one time. Don't bring your phone into the bathroom. I try it for, it's difficult, right? Because it's an average so gishmak, right? You, a couple of minutes and you have, but again, it's, it's, you, you simply lose the ability to focus on anything because you're just, your mind is always used to getting a million different things coming into it. Okay, this kavana may not turn the davening into an emotional kumzitz. Again, right? You're not mamish screaming and, and you'll have moments for that. But it will make it into an experience that is in the course of time a profound change in the person. Again, separating yourself from the world, being, being in the tefillah, being in the base sakanesis, and then davening, focusing on the davening. Just focus, not wandering, not necessarily thinking, you know, of, uh, of the, the, the kavanas of the, of the Arizal. You know, but just focusing on the words you're saying and just saying it without being distracted by all the things that come into our mind, that's kavana, and that will be a spiritual experience. You leave davening having davened, right? He says, one final thing, let's consider a mode of prayer. One of my children had the privilege of davening for a long time in Rebbe Liyasu Shul and sitting near him. 
It's funny, I, I, I was in Eretz Yisrael when I was in ninth grade. We were in, uh, I was in a camp, and the camp was in Telstone. And Rebel Yashiv would come there for a few days or weeks during the summer to, to vacation. Like, uh, some, like some Rebbe used to come there, the Vigilance Rebbe used to spend some time there. So they came down to our camp, they said, Rebel Yashiv's davening in a shul. And when he finishes davening, he said, uh, he finishes Shemana Esrei, there's no minion to Sachaz or Sashats, because Rebel Yashiv, Yashami, he davens a little bit faster. So they asked us Americans if we can come, you know, we would starve to the minion, so they'll have uh, 10 people. So I, davened, I got to daven with Rebel Yashiv a couple of times. That was my. Uh, but so his son Davin, Rebbe Yashiv was somewhat unimpressed by my son's davening. He said, when a person davens out loud, the kavana is much better and the davening is much more enjoyable. The simple act of saying, davening out loud, making your words audible. Learning to say all the words out loud is a major improvement in a person's davening. First of all, the physical activity forces more concentration. Right? You're, you're focusing on saying the words as opposed to just mumbling them, right? You're actually focusing on getting those words out in a clear way. That automatically will contribute to your kavana, right? I don't mean a shout-out, ecstatic, emotional, stay like uh, Stalin. Stalin, that's the, Stalin, right? Again, that's, that could be for some people and, and, and for them for sure, right? That's impossible to sustain and unnatural for the vast majority of people, right? To daven and scream. Again, it has its time and place. I mean, a simple, focused act of speech spoken at a pace that is unnaturally fast or naturally so. Not too slow, not too fast. It's sustained. You're davening. You're saying the words. There'll be times that we feel that we reach the higher emotional state. Sometimes davening, obviously, it has its emotional moments. But even if our emotions remain constant, our davening will become a conscious reinforcement of emuna and bitachin. Right? Again, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I spent time with, with Ravaran, and this is how we daven. You know, we, sometimes we, you know, we, we're on the trips to Europe, and you're davening on the bus, you know, and it's not like the evid, but this, somehow that's the only way it works out. Insisted with a siddur, reading each word, and just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a machaya to just, you know, you sit next to it, you, just, you, you absorb it, you know. It's, and, and again, davening out loud, it's, it's a game changer. And this is, um, again, you, you, you try it, and then, you know, you slack off, and then you have to remind yourself to do it. Again, if you're looking for that emotional experience every time you daven, you're going to be disappointed, right? Low expectations is the key to happiness. If you have expectations of tefillah, that could come, and that has to be worked on, for sure. And, there's, and then, right, and then, but even then, it's probably not every time. But again, but the idea that you should have a spiritual experience, you should leave a davening uplifted, ready to go into the rest of your day, in the middle of your day, carry you throughout the rest of the day, marry, right? It's, 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 it's attainable. It's not a rebbe madrega. It's very, very basic. You have to, again, remove yourself. Tefillah has to be removed. The phone is aleph bays, right? But again, davening in a place that's conducive for tefillah, if you're able to, obviously, there's some time there or not, but finding, even if you're davening in your office, this is the set place that I daven. This is where I daven every time. And then focusing, kavana is not, you know, the whole shikl terrors, but actually just focusing on the words you're saying and focusing, and if your mind wears off, refocus on it. And then this eighth of saying the words out loud, it allows you to focus because, again, you're doing something, right? It's not just when you're stopping quietly, it's much easier to just kind of blah, just go through it. When you have to say the words, there's a focused concentration on saying the words. Um, it's funny. I mean, when I, when I, this is the first time I learned this, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start saying, you know, the words, try to, and like, you're so used to davening so fast and quietly that it was very, very difficult. It took time, you know, to like sit there, like, give it, like, give it, see, like, a mitzvah davening for the Amit. It's the first time that he's like davening out loud and like a lot of the words, he, he can't get them out because like he's so used to just saying them fast and, and mumbled together. It's like painful to hear sometimes. But again, this is a, you might also re-energize your davening. This is a very interesting advice by occasionally going to a kahila where the davening is intense and vibrant. Right, so maybe once in a while go into Stalin, once in a while, you know, go to Kol Shimshin once in a while, you know, so that, uh, <laughs> right? This definitely adds to our tefillah appreciation. However, our goal is not that we must replicate this type of tefillah at every occasion. Again, there are high madragas and we could get there. But the, the basic idea of davening is, 
is a is that you should is that you should have it be a spiritual experience, and that's something which is which is very very uh, very very possible. Okay, let's just I'll just read the last two points quickly. Davening with a minion, preferably a steady one, is invaluable. He says, first of all, halacha you have the mile of tefillah b'tzibur. He says it's also you know uh, if you're davening in a shul that you know people know you every day. Oh, where were you? All right, it makes sure it encourages you to come. Right, um, you know, even if you feel that your personal davening sometimes you don't be like you know, the first day home from COVID, you daven be I'm gonna do it, mamish, you know. But that that doesn't usually last, you know. Again, some people that's uh, you have to know yourself. But generally speaking, tefillah b'tzibur will allow it to be the consistent davening that you have. Um, another point that was mentioned here regarding the value of davening under challenging circumstances. Okay, and this is uh, specifically during the winter. This is mamish important, right? And this is from the sefer uh, the sefer seder hayyim. He says, uh, a person needs to be very careful about mincha. Right? This is the tour that the Gemara are saying, right? It says in Chazal that right? He says, the reason for this may be because mincha is a time when everyone is busy at his job and preoccupied. A person who at that time drops his personal pursuits and engages in heavenly activity, praying before the Baruch Shalom, recognizing his greatness, is worth taking note of, right? You're in there in the middle of the office and you're davening under a difficult circumstance. That's a very, very special thing. He reads that from the Balatanya. He says that the Pasuk says, Mayim Rabbim la'yuchu Right, he says, uh, water, he says, is life-giving, right? You have water that gives life. But if it's in too much quantity, right, then it's, it's a flood. It washes everything away. So a person's livelihood is what gives him life, right? It's parnasa, right? But the sheer volume of water, right, when you're working, it just can overwhelm you. Being in the office, the stress of work, and, you know, it just can, it's mayim rabin. But you know what I mean? If during that, during that moment of mayim rabin, you still daven, and you take the time to daven, and you're weak to right? So the great pressures of life cannot wash away the ava that a person could obtain to davening. Valtani's great-grandson, the Marash, gives an illustration of a man at a chaotic market fear, forcing himself to withdraw from a few moments and focusing on his mincha. By withstanding the roiling waters of the economic sea, he reveals the divine spark within him. Right, so you're sitting there, and you're the same grub a guy like everyone else on Wall Street, the same you know, guy running after a dollar, but no, because you stop in the middle of your busy work day, and it's an amazing thing to see. You go to like offices, I was, you know, uh, you know, these are offices that are doing, you know, hush people, they're going to pay a lot of money to do a lot of work, but they stop at four o'clock and with Davani Mincha, this is a tremendous, this, this, this shows that, again, that your whole day really is, is about the spiritual and it's about the Rebbe So, uh, again, have a big impact on your day. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.